The Sports Career Podcast, episode 215. Why is integrity important when pursuing a career in the sports industry? Achiever, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest with an expert in a particular field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports law, being a sports agent, or even sport development with regards to enhancing integrity in the sports industry at all levels. I really do hope that this episode can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests, and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Katie Simmons. Katie has a fascinating sports career journey. She is a sports lawyer and the Global Chief Operating Officer at SEGA. SEGA stands for Sport Integrity Global Alliance, which specialises in delivering sports integrity at all aspects in the sports ecosystem to really enhance this area of how integrity is implied in the way we work on and off the pitch. Also, Katie is a sports agent, and in this episode, she'll talk about a time being a sports agent in the rugby industry when she was representing players in rugby league and in rugby union. So for that reason, it's brilliant to have Katie as a special guest on the show, and that's when today's episode, Katie will share her sports career journey and explain to you why integrity is so important when pursuing a career in the sports industry. Katie, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Oh, it's great to be on today's show. Thanks for having me, Ed. So my interest in sports law started when I was at BPP Law School doing my thesis in sports media and entertainment law. And after studying probate law, I can assure you, Ed, I was like, this sports law, this is more my bag. Obviously, Legally Blonde and Ali McBeal had nothing to do with it. But I believe that in life, you get where you are by a combination of factors. And for me, the Fort Minor hip-hop song encapsulates it best. And don't worry, Ed, I'm not about to rap for you. But I truly believe it's 10% luck, 20% skill, 15% concentrated power of will, 5% pleasure, 50% pain, and 100% reason to remember the name. And so for me, my luck came when I landed myself a seat on a training contract in the insolvency department with an awesome sports lawyer. He's known as Hinch to his friends and colleagues. He's based up in Leeds. And he is, in my opinion, the man for football club insolvency in the UK. And I work with him in relation to putting Leeds United and Luton Town football club. Sorry, you Leeds and Luton fans out there. But we put it into administration and sports clients. There are no others like it. And I had landed and I thought to myself, how can I do more of this? And then since then, I've uh, built on developing my skill, the determination, the 5% pleasure is, is what gets you out of bed every morning, uh, keeps you committed uh, and makes that last email kind of worth writing at the end of the day. And the 50% pain is really the fear 
of getting over the fear of being rejected, um, which, like any industry, sports a competitive one, and you just have to go out there and put yourself uh, in the in the marketplace because if I can do it, anyone can do it. So um, that's really how I got into it through those ingredients. Well, also with the fifty percent pain, it must be the long hours as well, surely. It is uh, those long hours at the law firm. You know, sometimes you might start late in some at ten o'clock. But I can assure you, um, at midnight, you may be ordering those pizzas late at night with the other trainees and associates because you have to meet the deadline uh, and let it happen no matter what. Awesome. Well, look, I just want to go back in time really quickly with regards to you studying law, because you said right from the get go, you did more entertainment. But how is that mirrored with regards to the sports industry? Because really quickly, I've interviewed other lawyers and the music industry and the football industry or sports industry is so similar with regards to the role as a, as a lawyer? Yeah, well, I think sports, media, entertainment law, the beauty of them is it's something tangible that we can all enjoy and that really it's a privilege to work in any of those industries. But really in terms of sport and sports law um, and media and, and media law, it's contract, it's insolvency, it's employment. Um, there's so many different facets it can take your career in. And I think it's that eclectic mix where it's not just one discipline that makes it so interesting. For me, I really enjoyed the litigation side and I was able to, to combine litigation with the sports work. So I think that's why those areas are really, um, you know, different. Well, there's synergies between those areas. And that's why there's sort of so many people want to want to work in those industries, because it's not just like you're doing the same a repetitive task each day and believe me I have done banking law uh, and drafting a dementia from scratch was certainly didn't float my boat. And just quickly I want to sort of really progress of your career because you've got a fascinating journey what then inspired you to be an agent particularly in rugby? Well yeah so what happened there was that um, uh, what I realised is quite early on from the sports law there's a lot of it's competitive there's lots of lawyers wanting to do it so you have to carve out your own niche um, at the time when I qualified, I wasn't, um, well, it was a time with it was a 2008 credit crunch. And I can assure you, it was very difficult to find a job, doubt about a job in sports in sports law. So what I did was um, I realised there was a niche in the market uh, and I applied to the RFU, the RFL and the FA and became a registered license agent, which meant that I could represent players and coaches both on the legal front and also in agency situations. So I started in rugby league uh, and then expanded to rugby union. And at the time, I was the first female agent in the UK in the rugby world. And, and I wrote to Sky Sports and they did a short news feature on me. And I used that really to pivot and give myself some profile um, in order to develop my contacts and my client base. Just going back really quickly, you said the word already, pivot. Could you just share that experience? I know you were in Sky, which is amazing, by the way, but... I, you know, a lot of people are pivoting at the moment with their careers, just with COVID and, and situations we're living in at this current moment. Could you just share, looking back when you pivoted, what was going through your mind? Was it excitement? Was it nerve or a bit of both? For me, there's one word that really sums up my career and, and, and the pivot moment, and that's opportunism. And to do that, you've got to create it. And I think at the moment, you know, I do really sympathise 
with you know the younger generation even more than more than myself at the moment because you know it's all about networking getting out there in the marketplace uh, and really it's finding opportunities where there were not any uh, finding that door uh, and then just you know not just finding it open and putting on an open door but downright banging it down so I think on the pivot moment you've got to look at you know we've done it at Seager already you know last year we you know the plan was to do thought leadership uh, initiatives um, and events in person but now we've made them all digital and through that that opportunity we've met people like yourself Ed online uh, and it's been great so I think the pivot moment you know is you've got to look in places where there are not other people looking it's difficult but that's why I do recommend that you know expanding your network finding champions that can champion you throughout your career is really really important Absolutely relates to a quote that I live by from my headmaster, challenge creates character. And I think what you've just shared there is absolutely true. And it's all about adapting as well. Just really quickly, I want to now sort of sniper you with some skill sets of you being an agent, because that's probably one of the most popular roles that people want to listen to my show is what it takes to be a sports agent. Could you just fundamentally go down some core skills that supported you when you were a rugby agent? Of course, yeah, definitely the ability, the ability to negotiate. Um, you know, I think Laura's given me a, a really solid foundation to build a career in the sports industry. Attention to detail, writing to a high level, uh, the ability to question the facts presented to you, certainly, and construct not just a legal argument, but a sound argument and being able to negotiate both on the sides of the player, but also acting for the club as well. And just public speaking and advocacy and meeting tough deadlines to make sure you get those transfers in. So the core values, but really also, I think the ability to identify with players, that's something which, you know, law doesn't prepare you for but dealing with clients and players and understanding that a player um, is in a different position to a lawyer for example as a lawyer you hope that you you go up in value the more you experience but as a player you might reach the pinnacle of your physical health in your early years and then your uh, your fee earning and your ability to generate revenue decreases so it's the ability to understand that and act in the best interests of the player i think that's absolutely critical and certainly something which i'm really passionate about um acting in athletes best interests and i do continue the work of, the, of this in my current role and i'm honored recently to have been invited by the football led Man United player Louis Saha to sit on the admissions and ethics committee of Axis Stars, which is an awesome new app which he's brought out specifically designed for athletes, creating an online community of trusted service providers for athletes. Because athletes are often treated as commodities and exploited. Uh, and this really does need to stop. Uh, and there's a lot of rogue agents as well as very good agents out there. And obviously, I hope all your listeners who are wanting to be agents will be the good agents because there is a real need uh, to have some good quality agents um, to work in the industry. Well, I hope the listeners are taking notes. And honestly, I, I love how you shared the last bit with regards to sort of player care. Um, I'll be honest, Katie, it's been going on for years, even my podcast show, how this is still an issue where athletes of how they've been represented the wrong way. And particularly when they finish their sport, it's all easy when they're in their sport. It's afterwards where there's the complications of retirement and what they do next. So Again, the listeners, I hope you've taken those points on board. But we've got to pivot again now, Katie, because I'm really intrigued of 
your passion on integrity? Like, why is it so important in the sports industry from a career perspective with the work you're doing at SEGA? Well, integrity is important, I think, to start with in every industry. It's the cornerstone of law. And certainly it's why sport is so special and why sponsors sponsor the game, um, why people want to play sport, watch sport. And if it's governed correctly, sport embodies those principles of integrity. And let's just sort of put them out there and why we all love it. It's fair play. It's honesty. It's teamwork. It's respect and it's ethics. It's watching a game and not knowing what the final result will be. And so for me, finding an organisation with the right values is so important in your career. And obviously, SEGA, the Sport Integrity Global Alliance, uh, which I've co-founded with our CEO, um, it's centred on integrity and safeguarding the integrity of the game, which is why it's a perfect fit for me, because all of the values and all the work it's doing, um, I absolutely wholeheartedly believe in. Could you just share to listeners what SEGA is about in a lot more detail and also share the current role you're currently doing as well? Sure. So uh, I've, uh, I've recently been promoted um, I'm not sure if that was because uh, we didn't have the uh, the remuneration to give me a salary increase, but I will gladly take the promotion and I thank our CEO, Emmanuel Macedo de Madero. So I'm now Global Chief Operating Officer at SEGA. Prior to that, I was the General Counsel uh, and in charge of commercial partners, partnerships. But um, SEGA, it's, it's a leader in sports integrity. Um, A couple of words, I think, is always, you know, rather than giving you the the usual spiel, I say we're independent, we're change makers, we're triggering a global movement around one vision, one mission, and that's clean sport free from corruption. Um, And to date, you know, sport has been left to govern itself. And it's really quite remarkable that it's the only industry that has had no independent oversight. And we bring this to the table by bringing all sides of the industry together. We're a membership-based organisation. That's how we secure our independence because we're funded by our members. And we bring global sponsors, entities like MasterCard, Qatar Airways, some of the giant sponsors to the table. Sports organisations, we just signed uh, in 2019 a partnership with UEFA. We act for several um, international Olympic committees, national Olympic committees, sorry, and international federations. Governments, we need governments to make those reforms happen. International organisations like UNESCO, like the UN, um, we believe in the UN Sustainable Development Goals, um, and civil society, other NGOs like, uh, like ourselves. And we bring everybody all together. And it's really based on a set of reforms which are anchored on the SEGA Universal Standards. Now, these standards address everything from good governance, financial integrity, sports betting integrity and youth development and child protection. And we're working with a variety of sports organisations to adopt the standards. Uh, And it's because the, the, the standards are only as good as long as they're implemented. So we're working with them to implement that. And we're spearheading several thought leadership initiatives and events to spur this action. I have to say, uh, there is no other organisation like SEGA out there doing the work we're doing at the moment. Uh, And I've worked with our CEO since day one on this. And it really is. I I consider myself, I think you either like to work in a more structured setting or I always call myself a builder. I love building things from scratch. Um, And that's exactly what I'm doing at SEGA, which is bringing about these reforms and making them uh, a reality. So it's huge, challenging work. And we certainly have a lot on our plate. 
but um, we have adapted to the COVID. Um, we're not just surviving, we're thriving because um, we believe that when we recover, we need to recover with integrity. Just out of interest, uh, Kate, I find this fascinating, by the way. I remember from our first of a phone call with Ian, I said, how can I help? Never heard of you. I wish I heard you four years ago when I started this podcast show, because what you're saying is important. But I do have one question. How can we implement integrity from the sort of grassroots level so it drip feeds down? Like you've mentioned some big key stakeholders, which is amazing. But like anything, it's always got to drip down to the, you know, the grassroots level to see that real impact. Um, I'm just intrigued on that point, you know, that question I've asked. The sports organisations that we're targeting to go through our independent rating system, which is going to measure um, sports governing bodies um, implementation of our of universal standards and it's about getting ensuring so we are working with governing bodies at the top to implement those standards and then they will trick it down to their to their member associations and then it's about making sure that we are in touch with the grassroots levels and that we have you know that's why we're putting on the Sega youth forum at the end of the month so that we have several grassroots sports who are showcasing what they're doing because sometimes what we find is the grassroots can lead the way for some of the changes because they are, you know, probably less monolithic structures. So we need to come at it from the current leaders at the top and also the grassroots level. The big global governing bodies do have to play an important role in making that change. And so that's why we're starting with them uh, for the targets and going through our rating system in the first instance. But you're absolutely right. They just need to be adjoining up, especially when you talk about Player, players' careers. And that's why we're, we're, we're coming up with the CV Universal Standards on Youth Development and Child Protection. And those standards need to be implemented at the grassroots as well uh, to protect athletes and players and those involved in the game from exploitation. Absolutely. And getting to my next question, could you talk about a lot more detail about the Youth Forum? Like, what's it about and what's the mission with that uh, project? Well, last year, we see we empowered 14 young leaders to join the newly formed Sega Youth Council and champion sport integrity for the next generation. Uh, we recognise that young people, they're often marginalised and not given a voice. So we are leading by example and putting the Youth Council in our decision making structures. And we have the first ever Sega Youth Forum on the 27th and 28th of January, which is two days of youth activism gathering young leaders under 30 from all over the world, promoting youth empowerment in and sp through sport. What we've got is 12 live webinars on some of the hottest topics facing sport. We've got diversity, inclusion, climate change, just some of them. And the goal really is to galvanize the young people, make them feel part of our agenda, give them the stage, make them the protagonists, and also to provide some vital networking, which is absolutely um, missing at the moment due to COVID. Um, we've got the ability to do this through the app. Obviously, it's it's not the best case scenario of in-person, but it is a start um, and it is a powerful tool and it's something that we use during the Sport Integrity Week. Uh, and we are offering a career element, so there will be some side events um, on careers. So, you know, I encourage all your listeners, it's free to, uh, uh, to get a delegate pass. You just have to tick the, the free item and stand with Seager. And, uh, and please join us. It's going to be uh, a great event. And hopefully um, it won't just be an event in itself. It will trigger the global movement. Uh, and we, we hope to have two events um, on an annual basis. 
Awesome. Well, there'll be links below with regards to the show notes on my website where you can literally click the link and register. Just getting back to your career now, Katie, out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey looking back right now? Oh, looking back right now, I've, I've noted a couple of things down, so I'm going to reel them off um, and then I'll tell you uh, uh, there's, a, there's the career ones and then there's the real kind of sense of enjoyment factor, which is my personal best, really. But I think, you know, the career highlights for me, I had a personal goal of achieving uh, being a partner of a law firm by 30. I did it by the time I was 28. I think, you know, one of the key sort of you've got to celebrate your wins, the small wins in life or, you know, that are that are important to you. Um, successfully negotiating with the FA to release a premiership footballer from his and his agent's contract due to the agent's sort of scrupulous behaviour, which actually left him, uh, the player being a free agent, and work. And then I got to work on the football transfer later on. So that was something I really wanted to do um, when I was doing the agency side. Um, I think managing to serve proceedings on a notorious criminal on Bondi Beach, that wasn't for the faint-hearted. <laughs> and I managed to do that. Um, speaking at the United Nations office in Geneva on behalf of SEGA, that was a great moment, you know, personally and professionally. When we signed our partnership with UEFA, that was a real glory moment. Um, um, and also generating um, the client, which was Virgin, um, the new Formula E team at the time, which actually led me to Uruguay and the Formula E race there. And I have to say and share with your listeners that the after party was particularly good, Ed. So that one, you know, you've got to have the, the serious work hard, but the play size part has been, uh, particularly before COVID, has been particularly a highlight. Um, signing an agreement with the equivalent of the Ministry of Sports in the US on behalf of SEGA. And, you know, the Monaco Grand Prix meeting Prince Albert, need, need I say more? These are just some some highlights. I could go on and on. You're but, showing um, off now. You're showing off. <laughs> exactly. Sorry about that. But these are, you know, I think that's what sport and, you know, the characters within it and um, the backdrops of the sporting competitions, all of those recipes, plus the passion for the game. You know, I, I couldn't recommend anyone more to, to get into the industry. And obviously, law is just one side of it there's so many different sides um you know to explore whether it's on the sports sponsorship the agency side working at a governing body um and um you know i, I lead a, a global female mentorship program uh, within seeger it's part of our drive for bringing um, more female leaders in sports governing bodies and in sports organizations and that's a real passion of mine and so uh, i'd just like to sort of promote that also, uh, and, inv- and just say that we've got um, the Web Summit on Female Leadership in Sport coming out on the 8th and 9th of March. Um, you know, watch this space. There's going to be some great potential networking and um, brilliant, brilliant topics. Um, and just to invite both your male and female listeners, because we do need male champions. And so I'll count on you, Ed, as one of them uh, to get involved in that, too. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Again, it will be digital. But um, I am very optimistic that uh, later on this year we can do a mixture of in-person because I think we've all missed that. And obviously your podcast show keeps everybody going during these uh, these COVID times. So we thank you for that. Well, thank you for the kind words. But Kate, I just love your energy. I said that the first time I spoke to you on the phone with Ian, like it's just so... I love it. And I think we need more of it. I know we have our down moments with COVID and how it stops for a business perspective but your optimism is just 
awesome. But there's one thing I want to touch on really quickly. Um, I want to talk about networking. How do you define it with regards to how you approach networking and how crucial is it with regards to building that sort of longevity of your career journey relating to your experience? It's absolutely critical. I would not be where I am in my career had I not networked. I'll give you an example, Ed. Um, I worked at a huge US law firm um, as a senior associate. I cannot say I particularly enjoyed um, the atmosphere of the place, but um, I, I decided to go there because it was a global, it had the global element. And for me, global and networking, those are two buzzwords and, and, and important words. Through that, um, they didn't introduce me personally, but I was invited to go to an event. And that event was at the Sorbonne University. And I heard my CEO now speak. He wasn't speaking in his capacity of SEGA. In fact, he hadn't set up SEGA. But I spoke to him. He, he spoke. I listened to him speak. He's an incredible, uh, inspiring speaker. And I approached him. And, um, you know, first and foremost, I thought, what a great client <laughs> as a lawyer. I, he would be good to, to act for. He was uh, at that time working at the European Professional Football League as the CEO. And he'd been there 10 years. Uh, and after that initial conversation, I met him again. Another example of networking, I was invited um, by um, La Liga to go and speak to them about match fixing. Uh, I found myself the only woman on the panel, the youngest in Barcelona. And I did that. And again, my CEO, Sigo Emmanuel, he was there in the audience. And I went up to him again and I kept in touch with him. Uh, And then at the time when I wasn't happy at that law firm, I contacted him again. We met up. He said he was setting up in an office in London. And I looked at him and said, what about me? So that is just an example. And I've got thousands of these stories, um, you know, whether it's a prospective client, uh, a member or a contact. Even last week, I was looking at our SEGA Youth Forum uh, and thinking about what potential commercial partners. Now, obviously, I can't meet anybody But I worked with a member of our team uh, and we thought we would target a particular one. I emailed them out the blue. They responded to me. And, um, you know, I had a call today and it looks like it's game on. So, you know, I have to say you will get rejected. Sometimes people may not be responsive. But one of my obligations is to always try to, um, you know, follow up with anyone uh, and help people in their careers because I've had such great people helping me with mine. Uh, and it's something you do. It's a debt, I guess, to uh, to society that you need to follow and give that helping hand. So networking, it is possible in this era. Please, please don't underestimate it, you know, uh, and, and do it with, you know, it should be a pleasure, not a chore. I just like to highlight that. I couldn't agree more of that last bit you said. It should be for pleasure and it's building that conversation. And Katie, thank you for that. And I hope the listeners have taken some notes on that because people overcomplicate networking. It's just building that conversation, uh, which is so important. But look, Katie, this has been an amazing chat. Into the show, I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. You've provided bags of career tips already, but I want to get to the fundamentals of your three tips you would give to a student right now who is just starting their career journey. What would those three tips be? Believe in yourself. Don't take no for an answer. I think I've got four here. Find the right fit for you. If there is not a right fit, carve it out yourself. And if I can do it, you can do it.
That's amazing. Simple, short. Look, how can people interact with you on social media? Sure. Well, I'm not personally on social media. Um, that's uh, that's uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can. Uh, so it's Katie S I W M O N D S. But you can message me at Seager Alliance on Insta or Twitter. But feel free to email me directly. I don't mind. It's uh, you know you I'll, I'll give you the details. It's Katie.Simmons at Seager-Sport.com. Um, and email me and contact me, uh, and I will do my best to reply. Um, and uh, I wish every, all your listeners the best, best of luck with their sports or sports law careers. Um, and uh, if you need a helping hand or, or want to get involved in Seager, please, please reach out to me. That is great to the listeners listening. And all those links will be on my website relating to this podcast show on my website. Kate, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. What a fantastic podcast chat with Katie. For me, I've got this big smile on my face because this is why I do the show. It's having conversations like this. I hope educate you because they certainly educate me. For me, my biggest learning lesson from Katie is her enthusiasm, is the energy through her voice, which makes you want to take action from her advice. But with regards to being a sports agent, I hope you now got a better understanding of what it really takes. Like for me, the period of when it was 2008 and she says, decided to take action with regards to applying a sports degree into a career with the RFU being a rugby agent in rugby league, then rugby union. That's about taking action and pivoting. And I hope that gave you some inspiration as an agent. And then finally, with regards to our main topic of integrity, I hope you've got an understanding of why it's so important, not just sport, what happens on the pitch, what we can learn from sport, but most importantly, off the pitch. And that's us. That's you listening to the show, what impact you can have with regards to integrity and having these real positive values from which we can apply with regards to our sports career development, but also the impact we make in the sports industry with regards to our career. So look, I really do hope you apply Katie's career tips and put them in action. It was such a real short and sweet three career tips, but I would have to agree with the first one, believe in yourself. And really that is the first ingredients. When you have that belief, anything's possible. So look, if you've enjoyed this podcast chat, let me know your biggest takeaway on Twitter, edbowers101, that is my Twitter handle, and let me know your biggest learning lesson. And if you found this show helpful, please subscribe, please like it, and if possible, please leave a review. But now, put those tips into action and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Katie said, believe in yourself. Don't take no for an answer and find the right role that fits you. If you can't find that right fit role, instead, carve it out yourself and create your own sports career niche.